Hello, hello. My name is Scott Final, otherwise known as Phil Bravado, and you are listening to what we're calling PPW Unplugged. I'm, as always, joined by the voice of PPW, Mr. Paul Bo, as well as PPW producer, Mr. Alex Watt. How are you guys doing this week? Hey, hey now. <laughs> I'm doing good. How about you, Marvelous. Well, last week we uh, we went over uh, a great show, and uh, we're getting some feedback on it. Uh, a lot of people seem to like the setup that we've got going on here. Um, the Super Show was the first one that we did. And like we said, we're going to uh, be giving you guys three uh, different voices, one from Alex, one from Paul, and one from myself about what uh, content we're going to be doing. Uh, pick a show, and we'll go over it in the future, and kind of how we're going to run things. But uh, last week's episode of PA Piledriver Podcast, uh, and it will be archived on our own page for later viewing. So... Guys, a lot of good com- comments coming out of this last week, uh, and people seem to be digging it here. What have you guys heard? Uh, I've heard nothing but good things so far. Uh, people te- seem to like the entire presentation of the podcast, and uh, I think just we have a natural chemistry, the three of us. Well, you two guys are very cute, I have to say, and uh, I have a relationship with each and every one of you, and it's very good. So um, I think we have great chemistry. I think the presentation is good. I love the format, and it kind of brings you down a little bit, walk down history lane, memory lane, if that, and uh, kind of you know jogs your memory for stuff that happened. And, and truly, so many good things happened here at PPW that you know you remember. You know that you forget, like you know Alex telling stories about the boogeyman, you know <laughs> taking out the snake on the side of the road. That's right. You know, you know um, <laughs> but um. Just, just stuff like that. But no, it seems to be really good. Um, EJ is mad. He is not on the podcast yet. But um, once he finds out we have two in the can, he won't even uh, realize it. But he will be on. We'll get him on. Yeah, of course. This uh, this week's Stroll Down Memory Lane, Memory Lane is to PPW's fifth anniversary show. Uh, it'll be the 59th show in PPW history. And guys, this is just five shows after last week's episode of the Super Show. It's going to take place on September 15th of 2018. Uh, Paul, run us through why, if you look at the PPW, it's going to say that the promotion started in August, but we're going to go and celebrate PPW's birthday every year in September once we get to Hazleton. Why the month late every single year? Well, first of all, you said September 15th, so we're going to just backtrack a second right there on to September 15th. September 15th is my niece's birthday, Melania. That is her birthday on September 15th. And also, September 15th, Philip, is Dan Marino's birthday. Oh, man. I thought I'd want to tell you that. I'll drink a but beer for every Super Bowl he's won. National treasure. I'll pretend I didn't hear that chicken coop. They're cutting <laughs> in and out on me there. Um, just, just a little bit about the anniversary show. The birthday is in August. Okay, that was our first show. The reason we moved it to September is simply logistical reasons. Um, the school every August has their floors resurfaced. That's the original floor in Holy Family from the 50s. They refurnish it. They redo it every year. They want to take care of that. That's a parquet floor, almost like the Boston Garden had. You can't replace those floors, and that's all original wood. So every year in August, they shut the gym down for a year, and we would run at the YMCA, um, which is you know obviously now closed. But we would run there, and it's just better to have a bigger venue we figured for such an anniversary show with so many names coming in. Why not just wait until um, 
you know, the next month. I mean, hey, Thanksgiving's a different day every month, every year. So why not move the PPW show? If you want to get the Holy Family Jim Rockin', you can you can bring in some names. But like you said, you know, it, it's kind of a logistics thing in terms of uh, uh, not being able to kind of make the economics work in a smaller building like uh, the YWCA, which they were great to us, I thought. Um, it was kind of a pain to get the, the truck uh, over to there and, and move everything back over to, to uh, Holy Family, where a lot of people know, but some people don't. We store our ring there. so. You know that's uh, that's where we, that's home base for PPW, and that's where we have to get back to every single night. And if we ever talk about that Honesdale show, my goodness, is there some stories? Yeah, let's about that, getting, uh, that'll be another for another episode. <laughs> Paul's like, not today. It's already been rough. Well, we, can, we can write a book on the movement of the ring nightmare. Mm. Anytime we have to move the ring between Demas driving the ring truck like a maniac. <laughs> um to just, just so many stories they could just go on forever and uh we could we could make a, a whole episode out of the nightmare of moving a ring and we'll, we'll feature that on the first ever ppw show when we talk about ryan and i going back in them in the mud to get a ring oh. that's another story oh yeah that's uh yeah well, our previous show before the fifth anniversary show is PPW Showtime. And according Ooh. to the PPW website, uh, PPW returned to the YWCA of Hazleton to host PPW Showtime. The event took place on August 18th. It's going to have NXT tag team champion, former NXT tag team champion, Simon Gotch, making his PPW debut, taking on uh, the hybrid Sean Carr in the night's main event. And Carr would go on to win the contest. Uh, elsewhere on the show, we have Rosa Mendez, who um, no, you know, we have some stories. She came out to um, support. Yeah, absolutely. And we have some good stories on that one, too. So, man, I'm realizing that every show we do, uh, we have a couple good ones uh, lined up. So uh, she came out to support the team of uh, Christina Marie, Ray Lynn, and Trisha Dora. uh, And they took on Undeniable's Ryan Race, Miranda Vionette, and Sammy Pandora. So that's where we're at right now. Um, Majestic Noah and Punk Rock All-Stars and Siler Andrews all left with the titles. Hold on, one second. Yep. The the girls match, the six way. That was as yes. close as Ryan Race has been to a woman, and I can't tell you how long. But anyway, uh, go ahead. Carry nice. on. <laughs> well, he's gonna get close to a woman here too, um, at this show, but we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get on to that later. Um, but uh the Majestic Noah Punk Rock All Stars and Siler Andrews are all champions. They all leave there with the belts around their waist. I'm sure PPW Showtime will come up as a show in the future, so um look for that. And, and we can go over that in depth if you guys vote for it. But yeah, so the it's current title holders, uh, like I said, and you know what the crazy thing about the current title holder situation here is, is guys, we have no PPW heavyweight champion. We are vacant. So we're rolling into September and, and PPW at the time has not a heavyweight champion. Green Machine, Mike Orlando is going to throw a wrench into our plans, not on purpose, obviously. And it's, it's a terrible thing. Um, on, on June 22nd, it's him and Joey Janela in Stevens, Pennsylvania. And it would be ruled a no contest as Orlando would go down with a major knee injury. And Orlando would even say in a Facebook post right after the day after, quote, everyone keeps asking what. So I'll explain. I got hurt. My knee blew out. Kevin Nash style on a tie up is what he says. And Mm -hmm. so, guys, this happens a few months before the fifth anniversary show. And months prior leading up to it, it's going to set the stage here. Briefly, Paul, I'm sure we'll cover Mike Orlando's PPW career in a future episode, but what do you remember about this time and about Orlando going down with an injury? Well, I just remember getting a message from Mike the, the next morning. Um, he sent a message um, to Tony and myself and just saying, hey, listen, I got hurt last night. I don't know how bad it is. 
it should be okay in a couple of days with some ice. You know what I mean? He thought that he was going to be okay. You know, it was like a balloon. It was swollen. And, um, he, he, he was really disappointed. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, uh, he had some things going on also. He was working with Booker T in Texas. Um, he was doing some work, you know, with some other companies and, and, you know, he was pretty close to, to getting a deal right before that happened. And, you know, naturally that throws a monkey wrench into that. And it's unfortunate because, you know, nobody's worked harder than Mike has to, to get to the point that he was. And it just, when that happy your knee blows out, it's something you, I mean, I, I blew my knee out, you know, not that I was getting signed anywhere, but it's just, it's, it's, it's a freak accident. Wrestling rings for, for people who don't know a wrestling ring isn't a trampoline, but it's very unstable when you walk in it, the boards, the, the mat is very thin and it kind of, it's almost like you're walking a little bit on like a, a, I compare it to like a bridge over um, like one of those rickety bridges. It's kind of, you know, your footing is pretty hard to get there and any movement, you know, you could roll an ankle or, or blow out a knee because it, it, it does have that little bit of give. I mean, it's hard, but that can, you know, you see a lot of knee injuries happen like that. Like, like you said, on a tie up, where you're just looking to plant your feet and get your, you know what I mean? It, it happened on a tie-up. Well, the, po uh, the post the night before, uh, the show hypes the main event. It, it reads, this Saturday night, the road to the gold ends as six-man do battle for the vacant PPW championship. The destroyer of everything, Terrell Kenneth, the man, Johnny Moran, the spectacle clutch Adams, the Sky Reaper, Casey Navarro, and the Prince of Camden, Deshaun Pratt, will all meet with hybrid Sean Carr in this big main event. And Alex, there are some pretty big names here, and it's pretty exciting time for PPW having all of these men doing battle for our vacant heavyweight championship. Yeah, uh, it's actually a, a huge deal for each one of these guys. Just prior to this, we had uh, Deshaun Pratt come and debut for us at PPW Showtime. And uh, just the show before that, at PPW Shootout, you had Casey Navarro debut for us. And, I mean, you have Deshaun Pratt, who has an incredible, I believe at this time, a 10-plus career, former Chikara guy. You have Casey Navarro, who's getting so much heat, uh, good heat, on the indie scene at this time. Clutch Adams, again, Monster Factory guy. Uh, dude has tremendous talent. Terrell Kelle Kenneth, I don't know too much about him at this time, but at PPW Showtime, when he threw Sam Adams over the top rope out near the announce table, I mean, I was nothing but impressed. Uh, Sean Carr, what, what is it, Binghamton is where he's from? Yeah, somewhere in that dirt hole up there where Bravado is. <laughs> well, well, I mean. My hometown, buddy. We've, we've hey, seen, listen to me. <laughs> we, we've seen Sean Carr uh, at the uh, Super 8 we've seen him in Ring of Honor from time to time uh, and then Johnny Moran I mean this is uh, this is the guy with the light up shoes from the Mighty Militia this is uh, a staple at PPW and uh, each one of these guys not only deserves this shot but I think they're, they're ready to show something here as well prove something yeah, I agree tremendously. Well, I'll add something with the I'll add something with the Terrell Kenneth thing. That was one of the few people that I've uh, that I tried to bring in. Well, I did bring in. I seen him wrestle Sean Carr um, up in Binghamton, and I knew that he was a worker from Buffalo. And I was like, you know, I remember talking to Paul, and I'm like, hey, look, I like this guy, and and I'd really like to give him a shot here. And I don't know if he's going to come. I have no idea. And uh, Terrell Kenneth is actually 
one of the first people I brokered to, I guess, to come to PPW. And, you know, he was impressive. I thought he was impressive. We just couldn't, you know, the schedules didn't line up for him in PPW. As Paul said uh, last episode, you know, there's only so many weekends in a month. But that's all I wanted to add, Paul, uh, your thoughts here. No, I'm just saying you won't find a, a more solid bunch of guys there. I mean, than the six you have mentioned right there. Uh, Terrell Kenneth, I was just going to add another upstate New York guy brought in by you. You know, look at it there and it's solid. I mean, he, he's really a good hand. Knock what him was, like I said, is scheduling. I mean, he's far yeah. away and we couldn't get him down here enough to, you know, to use him on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. There was just too many gaps in the schedule. And, and like I said, solid hand there. Really, I really liked him. Really, and a yeah. really nice guy, too. Terrell, Terrell Kenneth was incredibly impressive with what yeah. he did at PPW. And as a fan at this point, uh, it, it was unfortunate to not have him back like as a fan we didn't know like hey why is Terrell Kenneth not here like why are we not booking him didn't we didn't know that it, it was a conflict you know well um you know PPW's fifth anniversary show as I say will take place as I said will take place September 15th of 2018 at the Holy Family Academy in Hazleton Pennsylvania guys this will mark the 59th PPW event of all time and our 51st at the Holy Family Academy gym artwork here because I'm always you know I'm a graphic designer anyway so and I know you get down as well talk a little bit about the artwork here behind the show because you had something to do with the logo if I'm not mistaken here Oh, well, you know, I, this time I'm just dabbling in, in creating graphics. Uh, that's something I get credit PPW to just on the fly, like needing to create a graphic, which, by the way, I was doing all on my phone at the time. Like I was incredibly resourceful. Uh, but Paul Bow had mentioned that's that crazy. he wanted a specific logo uh, for the five year anniversary. And he kind of had this idea with the V and the wings. And uh, I, I, I kind of scouted some templates online. And then I kind of reworked the design, and it just wasn't coming out crisp uh, for me. And at the time, our um, we were utilizing Crow for um, with the DJ uh, to yeah. do the music, and uh, he also do- did my T-shirts at the time. So he- I knew that he could help me out with like taking the logo that we had kind of created and fine-tuning it. So he uh, he was able to really make that look nice. Yeah, and, I found I found the the five mm-hmm. online. It was from a hockey team's like fiftieth anniversary or something, fortieth. Some they had a V in there, some forty fifth or something like that. So I sent it to Alex, and Alex did the rest, and they did a great job on the logo. And we got some T shirts made, which were incredibly mm-hmm. popular um, that we sold out of. With the I think every T shirt we've ever done, where it was very yeah. Popular. Scott and I Scott and I talked about that last night. Like I remember strictly the St. Patrick's Day ones, they sold out before bell time. Thirty six shirts, thirty six gone before oh, yeah. the bell time. You know, <laughs> always good. Let's with get ready to stumble. I remember that. That was a great. Yeah, I had it on the other day. We're uh, we're gonna start here, um, and we're gonna start with Majestic Noah, British Wolf, and Mantakia. Uh, this will be Mantakia's second night in the company as he worked the month before in a loss to Majestic Noah and Blackstrom. Uh, Paul Manny is from the deep, deep pool of talent from House of Glory Wrestling in New York City and, and HOG producing PPW stars like Charles Mason and Evander James and, and the main event. And, and yes, Mantequilla. Um, it's a deep pool over there. Absolutely. You got Leroy Green, don't forget, in there also. Um, yes. I'm having a little bit of a brain. Um, what was the tag team we had? They were a tag the team. Main, we had the main event. We no, had... not the main event. The other tag team. I couldn't think main... of the name. 
Well, there was the big game players. I remember that. That was um, Toasty Tom and, and the Bowling. Oh yes, Rembrandt and Toasty Tom. Right, Rembrandt and Toasty Tom. I couldn't think of their name. They had a name. I couldn't think of their name. But yeah, Rembrandt and Toasty Tom. They came from uh, something Dogtown, wasn't it? Yes, Dogtown. Yes, Sons of Dogtown. There it is. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Philip. Hey, I absolutely you know, love them as a tag team. Uh, I love Rembrandt. Yeah, really yeah. solid worker. Tom's a good worker also. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, the, the talent pool there is, and, and and I don't know if I told the story before about real quick how the main event came to the show. They came with Evander James, and they were just there as extras if we needed somebody. And, you know, hey, if, if you guys ever need us on the show, we're here. And that's how they got their start with PPW. I thought it was you know? funny. I um, I had told you about this team that I saw at another promotion called the Main Event, spelled the same way. And uh, I was like, hey, man, you should bring these guys in. And then the next month we had the Main Event, totally different tag team. Right. And, and I did reach out to those guys. <laughs> One of them, I believe, is in NXT right now from the Main Event. Quite, I'm quite almost possible. sure. Yeah, no, they were really good. They were from the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, and very one of them had, Yeah, they signed on with someone, I believe. One of them, or if not both of them, they've done some work. Um, but they, they're really talented. Yeah, I remember talking yeah. to them. Logistically, we just couldn't make it happen. You know what right. I mean? So. Well, I, I think we uh, we lucked out with the the other main event because yep. these guys these guys are tearing it up on the indies. So Good guy. Very, very proud of them. Well, the the House of Glory is always uh, has always given us wrestlers that have proper presentation and, and really strong gimmicks, and I think that that really lends a hand, Alex, when you're talking about maybe using Frank Boris to take pictures and making this PPW thing look big time. And I mean, I think you know, I have a I have a picture of the the main event uh, hanging up in in one of in one of my rooms. Um, it's not because I'm in love with the main event; I like them, but I think just the quality of the picture. And oh, yeah. the good strength of the gimmick and what it looks like and how the lion signed like it didn't it look like a lion would sign it like it was all like, you know, messy and stuff. And I look yeah. at that picture and it's framed and Paul Bo's laughing because he doesn't even understand my point yet. I think the quality. <laughs> I how think does the, a lion sign? Well, it looks like he might have did it with his left hand on a shoot. Um, so it looks per, like properly not right. Okay. And I look at this picture and I think of PPW and I, it's it's important to me because I think of the quality that we could present here at PPW with frame stuff from a good professional photographer yeah. with professionally looking gimmick. This is important. And and I think that that adds something to the quality of, of the shows that we were able to produce. Yeah, I, um, I think that PPW actually set a standard in the independent scene. Uh, I've been to many independent shows, and nobody has a resident photographer. Uh, not a single promotion does. And uh, I think people can learn from PPW when it comes to having a full-on production staff, when it comes to pictures, video, ring crew, which is necessary. Like, PPW had some loyal uh, uh, assistance, and, I mean, it showed. Like you said, it's a professional image. And uh, not a lot of people have that. Shout out to Dr. Frank. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and shout out to Frank Boris. Uh, Paul, talk a little oh, bit yeah, about Frank. working. Paul, talk a little bit about working with, uh, with Frank Boris here and, and uh, how, how easy he was to work with. I mean, what, what a pleasure, well, right? Frank, Frank is just an all-around great guy. He's a fan, first of all. He started off coming to PPW. I think the first show he ever came to was the – EC3 and David Starr match. Oh, sat, in the crowd, EC3 fan. sat in the crowd, took pictures. 
Um, we were going to do the baseball show outside. He asked about taking pictures from the, you know, from the stands, how close they were. Can he, I said, Frank, you can come right on the field. I mean, that never happened because of the weather, but, and then we kind of, you know, started talking to Frank and I said, to him, well, you know, would you like to come to our shows, you know, on a regular basis and be our photographer and, you know, and he said, yeah. And then it turned into, you know, he called me the one night he had an extra ticket for NXT down in Allentown. I came down and, you know, sat with him. He had an extra ticket, became a friend, became more than just a, a coworker. And um, he also became the Boris taxi. So <laughs> anybody, any of our names that we bring, and I'd love to have Frank on to tell some stories about it in oh, the yeah. car. Um, some good ones. Uh, oh, the Brian Pillman story kills me. I love it. I won't, we won't tell that one on the air, but Brian's a good guy, but that was so funny. Um, Frank, uh, Waiting I, an hour. I always told Frank he needs to write a book. Oh, he could. Um, yeah. The waiting in the hotel room an hour for Hoovy to do his hair. Um, <laughs> uh, running 80 miles, well, not 80 miles, but about 50 miles out of his way to get Kelly Kelly dog food for her dog. <laughs> and Frank got yelled at by a. And uh, visiting Alta. Alta and Sephora oh, yeah, were visited Frank, both by uh, Frank Boris and, oh, gosh. Yeah, Frank. Frank's awesome. He he did so much. I can't wait to have him back. Um, you know, once we get running again, we'll definitely always have him. He uh, the stories he would tell, and he just was such a good host of the names. Majestic Noah is going to go on to defeat British Wolf and Mantequilla to open the night. And we don't have a video for this match, but I do know that when you get these three guys, you're getting a fairly fast and competitive match. Noah's going to get the win here. But before we leave this match, Paul. What can you tell us about British Wolf? We sort of see him in action here, and then he's gone, and this is his last night in the company, believe it or not. But what do we need to know about the British Wolf? Well, I mean, WXW trained, solid, solid worker. Um, he was with PPW. He was the longest reigning um, TV champion for a while. I'm not sure if he still holds that record. I, well, it's probably broken now with the COVID. He, he was a solid hand, very easy to work with, would do any kind of match, very talented. Had a great look. Looked a lot like Kofi Kingston. He moved to Florida. That's where he is now. He's down. That's where he was last I talked to him. He was down in Florida. So he came up specially for this anniversary show just to work a match. He came from Florida. Yeah, he, he drove through a hurricane to get here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and wow. he, he wrestles down in Florida now for uh, WXW down there. But he's been, you know, all over the place. And when he was the television champion, he went over to England. And he took the belt with him and he had pictures he would post on the Facebook page and, you know, online immediate, you know, representing the belt in another country, which was, you know, I thought was really cool. But um, he was a good champion. Great look. Great guy. Easy to work with as all the three guys were in that match. Ton of talent. Ton of talent. Yep. Um, well, John West is going to take on Siler Andrews for the PPW TV Championship next. Your referee is going to be Chris Bankos. And Siler Andrews is going to come into this match as the TV champion. He would beat Clutch Adams, John West, and the British Wolf at PPW Shootout to win the title. And, Alex, Siler Andrews is pretty hot around this period of time. He really is. He's a he's a fan favorite. Uh, one of our two wolves at, at, uh, at PPW, <laughs> Spanish Wolf, El Lobo. Siler Andrews. Yeah, he's really hot at this time. Um, you know, he I believe he's just pretty much hot off the feud that he had with uh, Clutch Adams. And uh, that was pretty big time for him. Uh, you know, it's just everybody had a lot of people had the shirt. 
it's just it's it's hard not to love this guy. He has a deep, deep story. Uh, I got to interview him when I first came to PBW. You know, a story of having to leave his family behind in uh, in uh, Puerto Rico, coming here, kind of making his way, being homeless, and working in wrestling to uh, you know pursue his passion. And that that's exactly what he did, and it shows in his personality. And he can't help but just get behind this guy. Well, I remember during this time, Siler Andrews was putting out some pretty fire promos. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely great stuff. And I'm talking like video production, like exquisite video production. And we yeah. at PPW were not really ex- – I mean, we tried to do a high-quality level. This yeah. stuff that he's putting out looks like a movie. And I remember talking to Siler Andrews, and our schedules never lined up, but uh, potentially – about doing PPW high voltage because it was that good stuff guys. And I don't remember yeah. if you remember the Ryan race promo when they were in the car and the car would pull up and it just, it was, I think my favorite promo uh, of all time here in PPW. Yeah. Uh, he, he does all that video editing himself. And uh, you know, I like to think of myself as a, a pretty decent video editor and uh, I, I don't come anywhere close to his precision in audio video timing likewise <laughs> likewise uh well wes is coming to the ring and, and i say in commentary that this is the the biggest match to date for john wes and ppw and i stand by it it is uh, up until this point wes has had a few title opportunities but guys it's never really been a one-on-one contest for the title and a few months prior at ppw respect he'd win a number one contendership match and he'd get into those four ways but a true title opportunity is a number in a number one contender is a one-on-one match uh, with a champion. And Wes will get that here three months later. And Paul, we're starting to see PPW put a little bit of stock behind uh, John West here. Oh yeah. I mean, another solid hand, easy to work with. And I think that's just such a huge factor. And I say that, you know, numerous times because, you know, the average fan doesn't realize, you know, dealing with a bunch of different people, should I say, different attitudes, different, Mm. everybody has an ego, whether you're a broadcaster, whether you're a wrestler, whether you're a football player, there's a lot to juggle. So sometimes it can be a little difficult, but again, John, very humble, very soft-spoken, will do anything you ask, just wants to be a part, easy to deal with. And I think that did go rewarded because his longevity, he, like I said, he was on every show. He would never miss and he would wrestle in a, as you said, three-way, four-way, whatever you needed. He didn't care. You wanted to go Lucha style. We talked about that last episode. He'd do that. Easy to work with, good guy. And same thing with Siler Andrews. You know, Siler came to us. A lot of people don't even realize. I mean, we don't even have video of this, I don't believe. He worked a PPW dark match in our first year. And I can't remember exactly who he wrestled. I'm thinking Draven Blaze, but it wasn't. I don't think it was Draven Blaze. It was somebody Draven knew, I believe. It was a dark match. There, I don't think there's any video of it. A lot of people don't know it. And then he went back to Puerto Rico for about three years. And then he came back and he said, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, I, I came to your show and I worked a dark match. And, you know, we, we obviously remembered him. But he's become a staple and, you know, one of the most talented uh, members of the roster that we have. You know, same with John Wes. 
I, I've loved both of those guys since the day they walked in the door. So yeah, I will I will definitely agree with that. Uh, Ryan Race is going to be on commentary, which oh, is always a pleasurable experience for fans God. who might want to rip their ears off their head. But Ryan does some good heel work here on the microphone throughout the match. Uh, he'll give hell to EJ for calling John West Johnny West and ask EJ if they're ooses. I mean, I really enjoy the heel work done by Ryan in this match. Did he Nothing say anything about being big? He most likely did. He doesn't do anything over the top, though. And, and it's just enough of those little things that annoy the hell out of you throughout this match. Um, <laughs> and, and I just think it's, it's really good work. So so going to give credit there to Ryan. The, the match itself is slow in nature, though. A lot of holds throughout the beginning of it. The two would work the crowd a bit in the beginning with John West jawing with them a little bit. And uh, EJ calls me Paul Bo, which insult, insults the hell out of me. Right on WYLN, I was... <sighs> Do you guys realize to... why I don't why I don't call matches with Ryan Race? Do you understand <laughs> why now? <laughs> the the two brawl on the outside of the ring a bit. Uh, Andrews will be sent into the ring steps, and I ask Ryan if he's impressed with John Rat John West. Right when uh, Siler kicks him off the ring apron, which which sounds great, um, and it's great timing for high voltage. But um, but Andrews towards the end of the match seems like he's going to win the match, but the finish would see Bankos not see a low blow by John West. It would turn into a knockout punch by West a few seconds later. And, guys, John West would win his first championship here in Pennsylvania Premier Wrestling. He's the PPW Television Championship. What are you guys' thoughts on John West here with his first PPW title? Yeah, for me, I think John West is uh, – I mean, the dude looks like a champion. Uh, he's a physical specimen, you know, and uh, – I, I think he was a great fit. I think he's a great for for the title. I think uh, you know his talent it, it shows. I, I think we'll we'll examine some more of his matches and his title run. Uh, he had a pretty decent title run, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 me. I, I I was I was in favor of this. I was a big fan of John West. Still am. Absolutely. Well, we move on, guys, and the Masons will be next to take on the main event, and referee will be Jim Holbert, and yes, that's the Masons with an S, as in the tag team of Charles Mason and Alexander Mason, who will make their in-ring debut here at Fifth Anniversary Show. Alex, we're presenting a very different look for Charles Mason, and that comes, I mean, we're, I mean, Right now, he comes out to power by Kanye West. We're we're talking about a very we're talking about a very civilized Charles yes. Mason here. Mm -hmm. Well, I uh, just looking at a Facebook post of Charles Mason's from February third. He goes on to say, and are we allowed to swear on the podcast? Yeah. All right. Well, he goes on to say, "There's some of you out there who think I'm still uh, the blue blood rich guy." Then he goes on to say, "Bitch, I've evolved," and he really has. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he still has this uh, wonderful appearance. He still dresses really nice. Uh, but now we see, like, this gritty style. Like, he's – he's. I want to say that he's a little bit jaded. And, he, and, he, and he's got the fire under him. And he's really ready to take the independent scene by storm. But back then, we have this, uh, you know, this really sharp-looking guy He's got the robe going on. Uh, I, I don't know what happened to Alexander Mason, but these two look like the real deal tag team back then. And to uh, put over the blue blood rich guy style, I mean, there was none better than Charles Mason. Cutting yeah, well, promos in a mansion, by the way. 
Yeah, I've always loved the spots uh, that that he's been able to do. Uh, but Paul Charles Mason's partner is Alexander Mason, as Alex just said. And the Masons were originally a tag team from House of Glory. What happened to Alexander? Because we see him very early be gone from the team, and Charles would go on to become the Charles Mason that we all know and love now. But what happened to to Alexander Mason during all this? Well, I, I remember getting a message from. Um, Charles Mason saying that, Hey, going forward, I'm going to be wrestling a lot of singles matches. Alexander probably isn't going to be wrestling anymore. I'm not sure if it was an injury at all. Um, but I know he, he, he kind of stepped away for a while. Not sure if he's back into it, but that's kind of how Charles got his, uh, singles debut. All right. The, well, the Masons a month earlier would attack the main event. And I said um, earlier that this is their in-ring debut, and it is. But the Masons would um, attack the main event after their match with the Punk Rock All-Stars. And they come in very hot with a story immediately. They, they actually debut on PPW High Voltage uh, in a very Monday Night Wars time period looking promo um, of them coming into the arena unannounced. So, this is the first time that we see Charles Mason on PPW television. Um, yes. They're coming in really hot, and we're taking them very seriously right from the beginning, Alex. Yeah, I uh, to, to go back to what you said there about them, uh, what was it, PPW Showtime where they came out and did the right. uh, run-in? Uh, that, I didn't know it was happening, and I was peeking through the curtain. I'm like, who are these guys? They were, I mean... I really like their style, you know, like I said before, and coming out there and attacking these guys, it was very interesting. I'd also like to point out the evolution of the lion's head. Yeah. <laughs> Please. So initially he comes out with a, what I would think is a fairly average Halloween mask of a lion. And uh, now with, we with have, a tail. With a tail. Yes, he had a tail. I remember that. <laughs> I don't know if he still has the tail. But um, yeah, uh, now he has like more of a lucha mask style, which I think is very fitting to the style of wrestling that Mister uh, Midas Black and Jay Lion uh, perform at. So uh, I I can't say enough good things about these guys. And and as far as PPW television goes, this is a good luck. Absolutely, I, I loved how we brought him in because right before commercial, unannounced, we see. Alexander and Charles Mason walking into the building. And that, that was a cool way to bring them in. And then later on in that episode that they would attack the main event. And now we're all set up here for um, for the payoff immediately. And the, the main event comes out and, and they get the crowd going. Uh, the main event is in their fourth match here, guys. Um, and they're still looking for their first win here in PPW. Um, starting off a little slow. But the match starts off very fast. And the main event showing their tag team moves here early in this match. And one of my favorite spots where that they always do is where Midas will throw the stake through the hoop. The lion dives through Paul Bell. Paul Bo will always yell Tope Soacita. And the crowd pops as the lion jumps through the hoop. Paul, you accurately predict that the main event will have a bright future here in PPW as we know they definitely do. I mean, you must've seen it early that these guys, they're a little different. They're a little different cut than the rest. Well, absolutely. And I, and I seen that instant connection with the crowd, I mean, the larger-than-life circus, big top, Midas coming out with the top hat and the cane, and, you know, a lion, he coming out walking on all fours, you know. Um, 
and 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 they had a rough going at first, like I said, when they first started here. You know, the crowd kind of didn't know what to do, but they really, really played into them. Even like at intermission, you know, Midas is yelling, come one, come all, you know what I mean, to their merchandise table. And, you know, as soon as, you know, fast forward a little bit, once they got their legs underneath them here and they started to get some merchandise, they became one, if not, you know, the most popular. Well, I mean, South Philly is always going to be the, the most popular tag team here just for their longevity. And, you know, the fans love South Philly. But yeah, right. no disrespect to them. Main event was right there, 1-1-2, one, 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 one a and the Sambo Show, 1-B. You know what I mean? Like all three yes. of them, you can inter interchange them any way you want as far as fan interaction. You know, fans love them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the match is a very good one, guys. All four of these guys have great chemistry as they all come from the same spot, the House of Glory, and they all train with one another every week, so that helps. Uh, the match is a very, like I said, good one. The Masons will win when Alexander pins the Lion, and after Charles Mason curb stomps him. What a good move this one is. It, it reminds me of the worst scene ever in a movie, but my goodness, what a, what a good move. I, I love this this debut by, by the Masons, and it's their debut match here. Uh, guys, the main event are officially in a storyline in PPW. The crowd's starting to get more and more behind Midas Black and Jay Lyon. And like you guys said, this tag team division, I'm going to put up against any other promotion because, man, oh, man, was were the crowd hot for, the, for, the, for this tag team division at this time. Yeah, I personally don't think I've seen any other tag team uh, division uh, of this quality and of this, like, uh, with, with this amount of tag teams, uh, on a regular basis at the very least. Yeah, and, and talk a little bit, Alex, about you know booking a tag team. I mean, some, some fans will come in and be like, why are there not more tag team matches? And the mm -hmm. economics of that's very hard to make. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that's kind of why, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, it, it's, it's hard-pressed to find a good tag team, and uh, especially when you have a division – as stacked as ours, and you already have like a, a fair amount of uh, uh, teams, you don't necessarily want to oversaturate your roster, but also you do want to get fresh faces in there from time to time. So, you know, like from a booking standpoint, you know, you, you kind of have the ability to do a, uh, you know, your, your championship matches with your tag teams and then possibly use one of your other uh, in-home tag teams to bring in, uh, you know, someone else to look at. But it is tough to find good tag teams uh, that do stick together on the uh, independent circuit. Well, we move on to the six-man scramble match, guys, for the, for the vacant PPW Heavyweight Championship. As I said earlier in the, in the show here, we got Sean Card, Sean Pratt, Casey Navarro, Johnny Moran, Lance Anawahe, and Clutch Adams. Now, Lance Anawahe is going to be included in this match. It's a total surprise. Um, yeah. He's replacing the injured Terrell Kenneth. Lance comes out to, well, an okay pop, but the uh, Anawahe family is really important to Pennsylvania and Allentown and, and um, specifically. But, the, you know, the fans love Lance Anawahe here in PPW. Jeff Carden holds the PPW title above his head, uh, signifying that we're ready to go. Alex, the inclusion of Lance here, uh, it's something that isn't advertised, but right. it just goes to show you that anything can happen at PPW at any time. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Uh, when when you you know can bring somebody in and and not let the fans know, especially somebody that like the fans are aware of, whether it be a celebrity or somebody that you've built up that hasn't been there for a while, like say Kakoa. Kakoa came back; there was a pretty decent pop for him. When um, Havoc came back, there was a good pop for him, and uh, you know even the. Uh, 
yeah, you know, as much as I dislike him personally, uh, Ellsworth, he came in a few times unannounced, and uh, you know, the fans ate it up, especially when you have a good heel like that. Uh, but then you have somebody that the entire community of PA uh, adores, which is Lance and his family. Uh, that That's just a, a great move uh, for the audience. Yeah, you said something about the Ellsworth thing, and we'll get to that in a later episode. Sure. But I just remember um, this one kid looking at, it, at, it, at their parents, like, Huge eyes. Like, is that – I know I'm seeing James Ellsworth. Yeah. But I know he also wasn't on the – that's not James – and then the realization that, holy cow, that is James Ellsworth. Um, I think that the surprise there, especially, like, if I were a fan, and especially of that age, I'd be like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is big time. So I right. love that he did that stuff. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you've had his recent run in WWE, but then shortly between, between the times that he was at PPW – uh, both times he did have that surprise. Uh, I think it was a uh, rumble spot with uh, or money in the bank with, with uh, Carmella. Money in the bank, yeah, yeah. So he he was you know he was very relevant on TV. So it was a good use of PBW to have him there. Well, the match is going to start with Navarro and Pratt, and they start off as everyone else seems to fight on the outside of the ring. Uh, Navarro and Pratt put on a clinic in the ring, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, Pratt then throws him to the outside onto everyone else, and this match just it gets started quickly, guys. Pratt's the only one in the ring, so he takes off over the top rope onto everyone, and, and the crowd is on their feet and, and ready for this one early. Uh, the match a mile of mi a minute, but there are several spots that stand out. Uh, Pratt catches both Carr and Moran attempting suplexes from the top rope, power bombs them, and then at the same time sends Navarro and Anawahe down to the mat. Uh, the crowd popped hard, and Paul, this is just a classic example of what all these guys can do if given the right time and given the right opportunity. Well, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, we, we talked about this a little bit in the open. A, you know, those guys – and a big, big announcement, a surprise, should I say, with Lance coming in. And mm -hmm. it was, you know, I mean, expecting that. Um, but as far as, you know, the work, and like I said, you got in there Deshaun Pratt and, and Casey Navarro, who can above the top rope. You know, you have Johnny Moran, who's more of a ground and pound. You have Lance, who can work any style. Clutch Adams, Monster Factory trained, he can do anything. You know, Sean Carr, we, we talked about Sean Carr at length last time. And you just got so many people that are just so, so equal and that could adapt to every, everybody compliments each other, you know, and, and we'll see this later in later episodes, like with the impact show, the six man ladder match or seven man ladder match we had. It's just, it, it's just, they know each other so well and they're able to perform at such a high level. You won't find a better group of guys. I said it before in the open. I'm going to stand by that. Yeah, I'll say this is some nice foreshadowing for some awesome matches we'll come to see with Deshaun Pratt and Casey Navarro. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, Clutch Adams will make Casey Navarro submit with a camo clutch, guys, and he's out of there. Lance would be the next victim as he gets schoolboyed. And, and then Clutch had both hooked the tights of Lance as well as had his feet on the rope. Something Cardin, if you can believe it or not, and I'm glad you guys are both sitting Cardin missed. Uh, Lance is eliminated. Moran would take out Clutch a few seconds later. And we're left with Johnny Moran, Sean Carr, and Deshaun Pratt. And Moran would be eliminated by Pratt. And guys, in his only a second month in the company, 
Deshaun Pratt is on the cusp of winning the PPW Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Carr would pin Deshaun Pratt, and Carr would finally capture what he came to Hazleton for in the first place, which was that PPW Heavyweight Championship. Uh, that would send Mike Orlando out, who is the acting commissioner of PPW at this time due to the injury. He'd come out and congratulate Carr, but wait, guys, we're not done because Evander James is going to slide into the ring with his golden ticket briefcase. And before we go over what happened, Alex, can you tell us a little bit about the golden ticket and how it comes into play? Um, tell me a little yeah. bit about Evander James cashing in the golden ticket here. From a uh, crowd standpoint, it's a total shocker, especially leading up into the main event. But uh, yeah, I think it's an incredibly opportunistic moment here. And um I don't, I don't think it was expected. You know, I, I, it was very understated. Nobody really saw this one coming, I think. Well, Paul, I, uh, I started to ask Alex, but then I realized that Alex wasn't here just like I wasn't here. Um, who kind of came up with this golden ticket uh, idea? Well, that came back to one of our first shows over in Freeland, and that, that actually was Tony McKeegan's idea. Um, you know, we wanted to have something similar to Money in the Bank and our very first briefcase where Tommy Swade broke it over David Starr's head, um, was a really small case. And then we had another one that got destroyed. So we kind of been, you know, using that, but Tony came up with the idea, you know, in any time, any place, the same, uh, deal and just a little PPW's twist on it, you know, a good prop to have and always something good to have. And, you know, anytime you get a cash in or an impromptu match like that, the crowd's going to pop and, you know, especially, especially, if a baby face has the golden ticket, you know what I mean? Usually it's a heel that has it. You still get a pop, but you're talking about a baby face when they have that golden ticket and they cash in. And finally, like, you know, and, and when, when the main event Ooh. won the tag team championships with the briefcase, that'll be a fun, held, you know what I mean? That was something in a later episode we'll talk about that crowd came unglued and just, just missing that, just, just thinking back to crowd reactions and, and not to change the subject of that, but, Standing in that ring, and a lot of times, Scott, like you and I can't hear the crowd reactions when we have headsets on. It's right. very hard to hear because we're trying to listen to what each other's saying. But standing in that ring for myself, introducing people, you know, when they won the title, like the one that really comes to my mind, and again, not to segue off what your, your topic, is when Jack Swagger won the title. The place was deafening mm -hmm. and, and like like deafening. You know, and and I just think that, you know, the briefcase that Tony added, like I said, that just was it was a big deal for PPW. Definitely a big deal. Yeah, and I, I love that Tony did that. Um, it, it definitely adds more uh, more different variety to our stories. Evander James is going to have the golden ticket briefcase and he's going to use it, guys. He's going to start this match immediately with an exhausted, as you can imagine, Sean Carr. He hits Carr with the briefcase almost immediately. James yeah, almost. Leveled him. Uh, James almost rolls up Carr for the victory, but Carr barely kicks out. Uh, after a crotch chop, Evander James kicks Sean Carr's face off, and Evander James has won the PPW title. Alex, the crowd at this point isn't popping. Wild. It is furious. They had yeah. been waiting for Sean Carr to capture this title, and it was taken away from them in a split second by Evander James here. It absolutely was. Uh, yeah, it, it was, like you said, it was deafening. In that arena, yeah, one of one of the coolest moments. I, I can't I can't stress that enough. This this was a major pop. 
Well, next we move on to Undeniable. That would be Pat Sawyer and Andy Hedder teaming up with Brandon Scott and Ryan Race is going to be in their their corner. And they're going to take on Sean Hernandez, who's visiting, and South Philly's finest. Your referee here is going to be Jim Holbert. And this time, uh, (laughs) well, this is a time where Undeniable is going to be prominent in the company storyline. So Ryan Race is leading his men, Pat Sawyer and Andy Hedder, to the ring. And Brandon Scott follows being introduced, as always, from Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Andy Hedder climbing on the barricades here. And really, to me, showing his charisma, and he's on his way to the ring, just showing just how comfortable he is in his own skin here and and really looking like a star to me. I mean, this is the first time I looked at Andy Hedder, and I'm like, wow, dude. Like, And it's nothing against him. It's just I, I, he just looked really comfortable out here this time, and, and I've always been a fan of Hedder, but I think he really looked good here. Uh, mm-hmm. Alex, your thoughts on Andy Hedder here um, in PPW? Now, this is Andy Hedder's debut in PPW here? I don't believe it's his debut. Okay. It's very early, though, on in, oh, in his career in PPW. Yeah, I, I think Andy Hedder is a phenomenal athlete. Uh, also, I, I don't know if many people know this, but he also is a Chikara-trained guy. Uh, so he definitely has like all those technical aspects as well as high-flyer aspects to him, which he displays prominently. Uh, yeah, so at this time, I'm not sure if it was exactly this time, but when we brought him in, I believe he was a champion at uh, another promotion. So to see him like kind of be a face somewhere else and a heel here, it was an interesting dynamic, just kind of checking out the indies. You know, as somebody who's a fan of, of, of the local indie scene, it's an interesting dynamic to see somebody uh, play both, both uh, sides of the coin at the same era of time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and South Philly will then come out with Sean Hernandez. And and Paul, uh, is there anything that you might be able to tell us about coming to an agreement with Sean Hernandez or uh, or any dealings with him at all? Uh, well, no, I, I actually didn't book Sean. Uh, Tony booked Sean. Um, pretty, pretty smooth. I mean, there was really nothing really to talk about um, as far as booking. Very professional, got there on time, you know, did a meet and greet. Easy to work with. Really good guy. I know... Uh, <laughs> he uh, gave uh, Pat Sawyer some advice in the back. I remember talking uh, uh Sean Hernandez, but, you know, pointed him in the right direction, you know, because Pat was really, you know, green at the time coming into it and being in the ring with a, a bona fide star. Pat, you know, he gave Pat some good advice and Pat, you know, appreciated it. So, uh, but no, it was very easy. Like I said, I had mi- really minimal contact with Sean. I didn't have much to deal with Hernandez, but um, yeah, he was, he was easy to deal with, happy to be there. And, uh, he got great teaming with South Philly. And, you know, once again, huge pop in the crowd. South Philly comes out. Crowd comes unglued with Hernandez. And the star just even adds to it even more. I'm not sure if you know. Do you know why Brian, Brandon Scott is introduced from Robbinsdale, Minnesota? Do you know? I mean, yeah. I know Robbinsdale is a very famous hometown for professional wrestling. Absolutely. Ravishing uh, Rick Rude. That's absolutely. why. Absolutely, That's why. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Jimmy Conway and Brandon Scott will start the match out. And, and Jimmy Conway is wondering why he never heard the bell ring. And it's Who was because, on the bell, Bob? Well, it's, guys, he never heard the bell because it never did ring. Andy Hedder being Andy Hedder, showing why I love him so, so very much, gets the microphone, rolls out of the ring, grabs the microphone, and tells everyone in the ring that he's ready. 
Let's start the match. And verbally says ding, ding, ding into the microphone. And Andy had her covering for the mistake and making people laugh at the same time. Guys, uh, this is just Andy Hedder being Andy Hedder, and this is just good stuff right here. Randomly, five minutes and 25 seconds into this video uh, and into this match, I shall say, the bell rings out of nowhere. <laughs> we finally have a match, guys, and this is going to be good because it's going to count. And I blame Freddie. So, well, that's what it always comes down to is blaming Freddie. Listen, if you don't know who to blame, blame Freddie. It's, <laughs> it's probably more of like a 75% chance that you're going to be right. But blame Freddie. <laughs> we love Freddie. Uh, we love Hashtag Freddie. <laughs> well, Hedder and Hernandez will start this match off, and somewhere in the first few minutes, we get Sean Hernandez chopping Andy Hedder for all he's worth. Uh, he even kisses Andy Hedder on the forehead before yeah. chopping him again, and Andy Hedder looks legitimately confused like we did not discuss this. That was out of nowhere. The crowd pops, and guys, Delilah is in on commentary here calling the match with EJ. I got to tell you, I bring this up because she holds her own. She has pretty good heel work here, especially since I know this is her first time on commentary, especially since I talked her into it a couple of minutes before this, and she wasn't exactly comfortable doing this the first time, but good work there for Delilah if you're listening. Great work there on your first time on, on the microphone there. But South Philly will get into the match, and, and for the most part, this match is controlled by South Philly and Sean Hernandez. Um, Alex, there's a few moments here, though, where Brandon Scott is firmly in control of Luca Brasi and South Philly's finest. And, and it's, it's interesting to see Brandon Scott here only because it's going to be his second to last match in PPW. And he'd have one last match at PPW in aftermath in May. He'd lose at Laszlo Arped. And then he's gone from the company. Alex, what, do you, what are your experiences? Because I know Paul will be able to give us his. But what are your experiences here with Brandon Scott? Uh, you know, he is an incredibly... Uh, you know, I want to say he's a nice guy. Like, I've had some decent conversations with him, and he's incredibly professional. He, I'll, I will let Paul talk a little bit about his background and his acumen, but I, I remember watching Monday Night Raw and getting to watch him do some extra work, but not only extra work, but I guess you call him a squash match against Braun Strowman and, and some other notable names. So, uh, Brandon Scott, I mean, it's kind of a kind of a big deal. He gets himself out there in, in the in the in the business, and he he knows uh, he he knows uh, how to get around, and he knows how to uh, be a professional. And uh, I'm I'm glad we've worked with him, and I hope uh, we get to work with him again, Paul. Well, just to backtrack a little bit on Delilah on commentary, she does a fabulous job for us. Um, she was a little hesitant in taking the manager's job here at PPW and even being on camera, but she does a really, really good job. She plays well off, you know, the the interaction with the commentators and stuff like that. She does a really nice job. So hats off to her um, for someone who is really mm -hmm. a quiet girl. She does a great job being, you know, that bitchy, uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, female valet. You know, so, yeah. but um, again, we talked about Ryan Race being close to a woman. EJ was close to a woman. That's another story for another day. But <laughs> um, just to talk about Brandon Scott, I mean, um, I mean, I'm really close with Brandon Scott. He's probably my, um, you know, of the workers, he's probably my best friend that I have in, in you know, of a worker that's in professional wrestling. He just actually texts me now. I was just talking to him a couple minutes ago. So we talk almost every day yes. uh, about different stuff. Talented kid. Um, yeah. you know, like he, he's had, and the most, he's respectful. 
and, and a lot of people like him. A lot of the WWE brass likes him a lot. A lot of the yeah. workers like him. A lot of the Lucha guys, the 205 Live guys. He was talking about when he was, you know, doing his WWE extra work, you know, he would, you know, gravitate with them or, you know, mm -hmm. talk to Kane or he's, he's very well. He has a lot of professional skills, not just in the ring, which he's really phenomenal, yes. but personal. And it's all about whether you're in sales or whether wherever you are, it's about making people comfortable around you and, and, and having people like you, you know, as far as, you know, having that, that skill to talk to people and, you know, you get one chance to make a first impression. That's it. And Brandon seems to make a first, a good impression anywhere he goes. As far as PPW, you know, I mean, like, you know, Tony does the booking. Tony likes Brandon Scott a lot personally and as a worker, but again, it comes down to the schedule thing, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I told Brandon a couple of times, I'm like, listen, if you can go somewhere else that's closer and, I understand, you know, you're doing this. He, he has a real job. It's not like he doesn't have a job. He does, you know, and, and if you could, you know, make a little bit more money somewhere else or, you know, give you more bookings, hey, go ahead. You know, I, I totally understand. would love to have you here. But, yeah. you know, he lives in West Virginia. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's about five hours away. Um, you know, he's far. So – you're talking five hour one trip. He would, you know, a lot of times he would book his PPW shows around other bookings. He'd be at MCW one night, PPW, and then maybe somewhere else Sunday. But you know, now since the COVID thing, obviously that's all shut yeah. down. But um, he made it when he could. You know what I mean? Um, as much as he can. Brandon always has a spot here. You know what I mean? And I'm not just talking, per, you know, personally giving him favorites, but I know he would always be welcome on the roster. It's just yeah. a matter of time with him and, and, and traveling. And, you know, his dad, Wayne, real nice guy. His dad travels everywhere with him. You won't find a nicer family. His girlfriend, you know, really nice Amanda. I mean, just good people. And uh, the talent he has like yeah. is, is unmatched. And he's got chances in other companies with yeah. WWE and NXT and, and you know, uh, NW, he, he, he worked Nick Aldis for the NWA uh, yeah. championship yeah. as well. I think twice, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. to echo, to echo all of that, I can say that I can confirm all of that. I seen Brandon Scott in Binghamton um, at an excite show. So he's from West Virginia. He's traveling to Binghamton, New York. The man will travel. I can tell you that his dad is over more than some indie wrestlers um, <laughs> in the business. And I can tell you that he's a nice guy because with my limited interaction with, with wrestlers and stuff, because I really, I mean, I talk to guys, I go up and say hey to them, but largely I'm out around the ring and I don't have the opportunity to talk to a lot of people during the show, but when he'd come to Applebee's or he'd come to two guys, he was always professional. You know, he always said, Hey, uh, shook his hand. Uh, always a good guy. So um, good. Uh, you know, Brandon Scott's just a good dude uh, in the business. And I don't think anybody would say otherwise. Um, I, I just I, um, text him. I just text him right now. And I told him he owes me 20 bucks for putting him over <laughs> big time. <laughs> nice. I, uh, to, to go back just a little bit, uh, talking about the, uh, the bell not working. Um, you know, mistakes happen a lot in professional wrestling. It's a live show, so things will happen, and, and you've got to be ready to roll with those punches. It's, you know, uh, improvisation skills is, is is key. And personally, you know, I think we use the digital bell there at PGW. I know for myself, uh, recently working some of the, uh, the Camp Leapfrog tapings, uh, I was tasked to ring the bell at the start and end of the matches, and um, so somebody with a lack of focus and attention deficit disorder should not be working the bell 
every time I thought there was a three count, I would ring the bell or I would be so ingrained with what the characters in the ring were doing and I wouldn't ring the bell in time. So they would have to yell at me. So how do you fix something like that? Well, largely your product tends to be a post-production product. So, you know, you can go back and kind of edit that out, like mute it or, or put a bell in, in the post, but largely you just got to be on your toes and get creative. And I think Andy Hedder getting creative there, uh, that, that, that was really uh, like a great thing. Yeah, and you know, you take uh, you take a negative and make it a positive. Uh, simple yeah. style strategy here, and and we're rolling. Uh, but yeah, we left off. Luca Brazzi's in the ring. He's getting beat down, and Jimmy Conway is going to get the hot tag. He's going to clear house eventually. He's going to grab Luca and throw him outside of the ring like a dart at Undeniable. Uh, but then something incredible happens, guys. Jimmy Conway goes over to Hernandez and he tells him to send him up to the top. And I'm not sure what that means immediately. And I'm like, what's he doing? I remember Conway after this match telling me that it was Hernandez's idea. And, well, you don't exactly say no to Sean Hernandez. But, Jimmy, uh, if you're listening right now, I'm not doing that. Okay, so respect to you. Conway gets sort of backslid, razors edged outside of the ring onto Undeniable, over the top rope. He lands on um, Ryan Race and Undeniable. Um, everything is, is chaotic. And then uh, – this one will send Ryan Race crashing to the floor. Guys, this is good stuff. I mean, EJ on commentary describes it as the greatest thing that he's ever seen as Ryan Race goes tumbling down. Uh, and it looked like a bowling ball running down a bunch of pins. EJ f- is fired up here. Uh, but then we get absurd. Then we get then we get a little ridiculous. Because Hernandez wants Holbert to go through the ropes and run Tope Soacita style. And I'm waiting for Paul Bo to call this one. But Holbert runs to the ropes after running the ropes and just kind of uh, back, uh, back rakes the guys, pauses, jumps out of the ring, and, and, and jumps into the crowd. Everyone separates. Holbert falls on the ground. This is good stuff, and this is good. This is a, a funny spot in the middle of this match, something that I really enjoyed. And This match is eventually going to end in a smaz. Uh John West and Clutch Adams will uh, who are also members of Undeniable, will come in and interfere. But good match and great spots in this. Jimmy Conway going over the top was definitely, guys, uh, one of the moments for me in this match or in this match and, and in this night uh, that I'm like, wow, did you remember when when Jimmy Conway got thrown over by Hernandez? It was, it was a good time. I mean, you know, we like to talk a little bit about the backstage stuff here or the, uh, the things that you don't really know that happened. Uh, Jimmy Conway likes to chug a lot of water before matches. And sometimes he will get so blown up in the match that he ends up throwing that water up. And at one point during this match on the outskirts of the ring, uh, he regurgitated some water. And I think it was himself that actually slipped in his, his own uh, sputum. So that, that, that's just a little fun fact for everybody. (laughs) Well, um, after the match, we're going to see the debut, um, the PPW debut of Jason King. Um, he's with two masked men, and he's going to take out Undeniable. And the feud will start between Jason King and Ryan Race. And Paul, can you kind of elaborate on the history of that? Because both of these men know each other a little bit from McAdoo, and, and you know a little bit of, about that. Yeah, I mean, it, this rivalry stems back to the ECPW days, the infancy when all of us were basically involved in wrestling. We got involved in wrestling, should I say, back in McAdoo at the, um, the Mecca, the Strand. Um, you know, Jason had a feud with Ryan Race there, and it's kind of, 
You know, almost like when you see a ghost in your past, Jason came out immediately, went right after Undeniable. And, you know, it was just something to start a nice storyline. And, you know, I mean, who better to do it with than Jason? I mean, he he's a, you know, 20-year veteran of wrestling. Um, he has one of the best minds in the business, as we – a lot of people don't know, he helped a lot. You know, he helped you with the TV show. Oh, yeah. And uh, just his, his ideas and um, – the thoughts that goes in everything, you know, the interviews, do it this way, do it that. And they're critiquing, helping out the young wrestlers in the back, stuff you never saw. I mean, Jason has a really, really good mind um, for professional wrestling. Yeah. And um, like I said, this this feud was just something that was money for, for PPW from the start. Well, uh, yeah, and you mentioned a little bit about Jason King helping out. Uh, Jason King was a huge part of my experience at PPW. Um, I can't put the man over enough for – his mind and just uh, who he is as a person is just a great guy. Um, he helped a lot with the feuds uh, in terms of how he presented them on television. I would show him, Hey, look this. And you know, I don't know everything and, and no one knows everything, but in a collaborative environment, uh, Jason King is willing to listen to everybody, give his points on things. And he has reason for why he does things. And man, can this man just like write television and, and he is an invaluable part to, to high voltage. If you ever liked high voltage, you have Jason King to also thank as part of that, because he was that big of a, of a deal for yeah. me. I mean, we, we'd, we'd get uh, together at two o'clock on the show days at a local restaurant. Uh, and I just say a local restaurant cause it would always change, but, and I get to know him on a personal level. I get to know him on a booking level. He's taught me a whole lot about this business. So, uh, he's somebody that, that is, is good to me and special to me in, in PPW. And, and that had to be said, um, we move on. Sam Adams with Diablo Rojo will take on Colt Cabana and your referee will be Jim Carr or Jim, Jeff Carr's brother, Jim. Um, is in for the night. Uh, Sam Adams comes to the ring as, as loud as anyone with his voice, as you can imagine. He's followed by Diablo Rojo, who is not exactly quiet in his own right. Uh, shaky, shaky, shaky into the microphone. And as Rojo, I think, is the perfect compliment to Sam Adams at this time. Uh, the storyline is that Sam Adams is not really wanting to use Diablo Rojo every single match to win. He wants to win by himself. And Diablo Rojo is interfering on behalf of Sam Adams more than Sam Adams wants. It's annoying Sam Adams who doesn't, like I said, want to cheat every time. Alex, what can you tell us about Diablo Rojo here uh, as as uh, as a whole here in PBW? Uh, I think Diablo Rojo as a manager in PBW is probably only second only to Ryan Race and, dare I say, possibly more charisma. Uh <laughs> Um, I, you know, I never know what Diablo is saying, but uh, I'm still just as captivated as if I did understand. Uh, <laughs> we have a good, we have a good high voltage open with Diablo and Ryan arguing, and I'm in the middle of it. It's 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 a. <laughs> I don't know what either of them were saying. Ryan was talking like Daffy Duck, and Diablo Rojo was talking like sound like a pheasant coop, and I had no I, idea what either of them were saying. Uh, Diablo, more times uh, than I can count, has tried to sell me uh, some of his hats. And <laughs> yeah, not that I didn't want one. I just couldn't afford the $15 to buy one. That's all. <laughs> 
Well, well uh, you know, shout out to Daddy Yankee for for uh, their their song. <laughs> uh, Colt Cabana comes to the ring and, and to start the match. And be, before we get to all that, uh, Cabana has a few stories of his own, guys, on, on his highly successful podcast, "The Art of Wrestling" with Colt Cabana, that we're gonna play real quick. And this is Colt Cabana um, on episode twenty six. If you guys want to uh, watch the or listen to the whole thing on YouTube, just search episode twenty six. It's titled "Road to Sandwiches," and he puts over over PPW and not by name, but he's putting over Paul Bo here. Uh, and I, you know, Alex, if you could just, uh, you could just play that. This is Cole Cabana on his experiences with Pennsylvania premier wrestling. Well, this was a first for me as I flew from Cleveland to Jersey. And then my, the ticket I got said I was flying from Jersey to Allentown, Pennsylvania, but I went to go in and then we got on a bus and I was like, all right, I guess we're taking this bus to the plane. Nope. We were taking the bus to Allentown, <laughs> and so United just—I uh, don't—the guy—he was pretending to fly a plane. He was talking like he was flying a plane, but he was just—we drove on a bus on the highway via United, dropped us off at the terminal. That's never happened. This is one of those lonely weekends where I have three shows. I'm kind of doing it all by myself. Three shows in three different places. I'm not with a crew. I'm just bouncing back and forth. So. Today, I, I I hopped the bus to Allentown. I feel a little bit like a superstar in the sense that the promoter got me a hotel and a rental car from driving, which usually isn't the case. And a lot of people ask for that, and I don't necessarily ask for that. But sometimes you can feel out when people are like, and that's like a good thing of a promoter. And I don't want to make this be like, aha, I got him for a rental car. Like, no, he should. That's how it should work. But independent wrestling, you always kind of just assume the worst. So... Uh, with PPW, it was nice. He was like, "Oh, I'll, we'll just—you could just fly into Allentown and, and you can get a car, and I'll pay you back." And I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" And that's when I really feel like I—I've made it. That's isn't that—that's—that's that's when I feel I've made it. When the when the promoter's like, "I'll get you the thirty-five dollar rental car," and I'm like, "Whoa, this guy's just got money to throw around thirty-five dollars." So I'm I'm gonna go into the hotel and sleep for a bit. Well, that is Colt Cabana on the Art of Wrestling podcast. Uh, like I said, episode 26, Road to Sandwiches. But Alex, uh, your first impression oh. of meeting Colt Cabana, because we hear uh, that things are just, <laughs> as you can hear, a little unorthodox as travel here into uh, central Pennsylvania, or Hazleton, shall I say. Yeah, so I, uh, through the Wicked Turtle, had booked uh, Colt Cabana yeah. for this yeah. evening. Yeah. And uh, Colt? You know, as as much as I was excited to meet the guy, he seemed a little off, um, and I didn't know why. So, like my first my first impression was like, man, he's kind of a jerk. But then getting to hear this back, I'm like, whoo, this dude had a rough travel and a rough weekend. Um, you know, he he was definitely not in, in normal sorts. Uh, so I give him a pass on that, and uh, you know, I have nothing but respect for the guy for all he's done and, and now doing an AEW. So. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's, he's a great guy with a great podcast. I was, I was really happy to get to meet him and also gave him one of our wicked turtle shirts. Well, and he also, uh, he also got Paul Bo for a rental car as he, as he said, so he sure did. He sure uh, did. Paul Bo's taking a call on the other line. Uh, we're just yeah, going to shoot I'm, that. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and mute Paul Bo, which I can do. I didn't realize. There you go. Um, but yeah, and we're in, you know, Cabana comes in, um, and he's a pro. I mean, he's going to go and he's going to help us with the story by telling Sam Adams that he hears he's a fantastic wrestler. 
Yes. But then he can only win matches because of Diablo Rojo. And Colt calls Diablo a crutch, and he says he doesn't need Diablo Rojo. Uh, he told he tells Adams that he doesn't need him. So Cabana tells Sam Adams to send Rojo to the back yes. and do it one-on-one without a crutch. Let's do this. If we're going to do this, let's do this. And he points to Rojo. Get out of here. Cabana asks the crowd if Adams should send him, and we're hot into the yes chant from Daniel Bryan on <laughs> WWE. <laughs> The yes, whole crowd starts, uh, you know, and we see it throughout multiple uh, stages of the night with the yes chant. The crowd gives the yes chant. Alex, we see Adams throw. Uh, we throw, we see Adams throw Rojo, if I can talk, uh, out by throwing the briefcase at him and telling him to get the hell out of here. What are your thoughts here? What's happening? Uh, you know, I I didn't know what to think here. Um, I was excited. For the fact that uh, Sam Adams, who, you know, his start in PPW, he was he was actually, I believe, a PPW heavyweight champion. Um, I, over time, we've grown to love Sam Adams. Even as a heel, you couldn't help but kind of like the guy in a sense. Uh, so when we finally see him liberating himself from Diablo Rojo, I think we are all very excited uh, to see what's next for Sam Adams. And, and Paul, uh, we we told the uh, the fans that you were taking a call. It's no problem. But we're going to get back to the Cole Cabana thing. Yeah, uh, it sounds like sounds sounds like Cabana uh, quote got you for a rental car, huh? What was uh, what was the deal like uh, dealing with? No, Cole? he didn't get me. For, <laughs> we always get him a rental car. He was he was easy to deal with. It was like yeah. literally Alex booked them. Alex wanted to use them, and you yeah. know I emailed him. I said, hey, you know, would like to book you. Are you open on this day? He said, sure. I require X amount of dollars for a deposit. Send him a deposit. He said, do you mind if I book my own flights? I'll just send you the bill. I said, sure. I said, and put your rental car on too. And he's like, oh, okay. And uh, I mean, zero issues, zero. Super so, outside, whatever you want, blah, 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 before intermission. Um, he was easy to deal with. I mean, you know. So no we issue. can't be blamed for the bus situation. No, no. He booked his own flight. He okay. booked his own flight. Yeah, Let's I get that me, out of the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go on record. He booked his own flight because he said to me, um, I have, I might be able to fly for free with my miles. Um, do you care if I book my own flight? I'm like, fuck, go ahead. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's usually a pain in the ass. Well, especially on this show, right? You got enough going on. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sure, book your own flight. Let me know what it was. Send me the bill. You know? Money's no object in PPW, so we just you know peel that out of our out of our uh, trust fund. And that we, is uh, a disclaimer sarcasm. Yeah, and Alex, Alex, like overnighted me like twenty grand, and yeah, we uh, that's, what I, that's how I do it. You know, we paid him. We got that Charles Mason money. Yeah, laundered. It was laundered. You know, well, the, the um, match. Uh, yeah, the the match is a good one, guys. I mean, this is a classic wrestling match with some some comedy spots in the middle of it, uh, as you would suggest. Uh, you would get from a Cole Cabana. Both men have the crowd throughout. It's a nice even match, and Cabana's chopping Adams in each corner, walking and doing the Ric Flair strut uh, around the ring, following Adams into each corner and chopping him. The end of the match sees Diablo Rojo come out from the back and again inserting himself into the match. And Adam's repeatedly telling Rojo to get his fat ass out of here. And I think that's uh, it's hilarious. Adam turns around, uh, tried to clothesline Colt, who would duck. Adams would end up hitting Cardin, uh, Cardin and knocking him out. Uh, Cabana, you know, <laughs> exactly. Cabana would quickly get hit in the back by Rojo by the briefcase. And Rojo would try to drag Adams over Cabana, but... 
This would lead to Sam Adams yelling at Rojo to leave and get the hell out. He doesn't want to win like this, guys. And Cabana would quickly win the match a sec seconds later. But after this match, guys, is when it really starts, the real action anyway. Uh, Rojo would yell, point his finger at Sam Adams' chest, poking him in the chest. Listen, you should be listening to me. Cole Cabana would come over and return the favor from Rojo's briefcase shop by turning him around and punching him in front of Adams. Adams just kind of like shrugs his shoulders, looks at the crowd for their approval. Colt grabs Diablo, and Adams will smash the briefcase over his old, now former manager's head. Sam Adams has ditched Diablo Rojo here. Paul, the thing I get out of this match is that Sam Adams is really, really good, isn't he? Well, he is. I mean, he, he's phenomenal. A talker, a worker, um, trained by Savio Vega down in uh, Puerto Rico. And he, he he can work any style. And, you know, again, like just, just so well in the ring. Great heel. Um, great baby face, too. I mean, fans love him as a baby face. Um, you know, and with Diablo Rojo, Diablo Rojo, great manager. And it's funny, Diablo Rojo messaged me about coming to PPW just out of the blue. And that's how he basically came here. And a lot of people don't know. And I heard this from a couple prominent members of, a re of wrestling families that Diablo was a pretty good wrestler back in the day when he wrestled in Puerto Rico. Um, he actually has a video that he actually sent me somewhere. He wrestled Sting wow. down in there before, you know, Sting, Sting was so popular. But, yeah, Rojo was under a mask. And um, it was definitely him, you know, and he uh, he wrestled the match, match against Sting. But he uh, he was a pretty good wrestler. I, I think he hurt his knee, um, but um, he was pretty good back in the day. You know, a little oh. known fact about Diablo Rojo. Now I'm an even bigger fan. How about that? <laughs> well, Alex, uh, we're, we're, we're sending Rojo down the road here uh, from Adam's camp, and, and we're presenting a very different Sam Adams, an individual that mm -hmm. uh, might want to win. The, the right way. What what are your thoughts here on, on where we're going with Sam Adams? Uh, you know, it, I think right now Sam Adams has this opportunity to um, display his independence and what that means for him. Um, what what does that mean? What does it look like? And I think that that's something he, at this point, has to figure out. Like, step one was like, hey, you know what? I can do this. Thank you, Colt, for giving me that confidence. But now, what do I do moving forward? And uh, I think that's that's the question he has to figure out going into the next show. And as as we all know, he would he would come to be very successful as a babyface in, in PPW. Well, we move on to the PPW Women's Championship match, and that's going to be refed by Jeff Carden, our senior official. And Allie Rex comes in as the champion. She's going to take on Christina Marie and Miranda Vionette. And, well, guys, Jerry Lynn's a special ring announcer here for this one, which seems a bit, to me, random. But, Paul, tell me about the decision to bring in Jerry Lynn for this, or both of you. I don't know who brought Jerry Lynn in, but the idea for him to, to take uh, your job for this one, Paul. I mean, he's here for the meet and greet, I remember. But Well, um, tell us a little Mikey bit. Whipwreck wanted to bring Jerry Lynn in. Uh, asked Tony about him, and he was the trainer then at Underdogs, Mikey. And uh, Mikey wanted to bring Jerry in. He asked Tony, and Tony agreed to bring him in for an autograph session. And um, as far as the ring announcer goes, I came to the back, and Jerry said to me, hey, uh, do you mind if I announce this match? I'm like, sure. And he went out, and he was the special ring. He said, I always wanted a ring announce. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's cool. So that was like his first – 
That was his first. I don't know if it was his first. And he said, "You know what? I'm not as good as you." And I said, "You know what, Jerry? You're right. You're not." No, I'm only kidding. He didn't. Say that. <laughs> um, no, he was a good. Jerry Lynn is a super, super, super nice guy. I mean, oh, yeah. super nice guy. Um, hard to believe that was the same guy you saw on ECW TV. Yes, but uh, absolutely, super professional guy. Really nice guy. But now he, uh, he just told me. He said, "Hey, do you mind if I ring announce this one? I'm gonna ring it. I always wanted to do that." I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Go ahead." Yeah. So now, he did. Now this show is only about a week or so removed from All Elite Wrestling's. Uh, I actually it wasn't even AEW yet. It was their All In uh, pay per view that they did before they were officially All Elite. Um, it was just simply titled All In, and uh, Jerry Lynn was a special guest uh, referee on that match. Um, and I remember standing outside with Jerry Lynn and, and Mike Orlando having a conversation. And uh, in that conversation, in, in a way, all three of us kind of came up with a new merchandise for Jerry Lynn, a shirt that says the whole Reffin show. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not that. getting any royalties off that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, good for him. <laughs> well, as uh, as each of the women are introduced here, we notice that they'll that they have uh, a, all have a website when they're coming down uh, on TV. And uh, at BPW, we take great pride. I mean, I take great pride in, in trying to give as much of an in-depth experience to our fans as I can um, and, and that we can. And I know this is a, a pat uh, on yourself moment for me here, but truly at this time, the unsung hero here is for the website. And, and this is why I wanted to do this guys, because there's a lot of people here that nobody even knows existed. We know who I'm about to say, but Tyler, the Birdman noble, uh, who is helping this experience for the fans, uh, just doing all the little things that you don't see. I mean, he's got the results, an in-depth website, uh, that he, that he copied from a lot of people don't know this, uh, Freddie acres that I'll get to, but, um, each wrestler having their own website within the PPW website is big. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the accomplishments of the website later on, but a lot of people don't know that Freddie Akers is the one who we have to give him credit for even having a history here uh, for PPW as he recorded every match. And, you know, I, back then I would have been like, what are you doing this for? Like, are you just doing this for your, for fun? But man, am I so glad the Freddie Akers uh, recorded that because that's how everything gets on cage match. And, and if you have ever read results, you can thank Freddie Akers for, for keeping that journal um, that he did uh, in the early times. Of, of yeah, that, 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 that journal sits right next to his couch. Great piece of wrestling mm -hmm. history on the independence. Cause he writes down every single match. Um, yeah. And that's helped us. That that helps us know that South Philly's finest are six-time champions. That helps us know uh, that Sean Carr's never competed. It, it's a lot of things that helps us, and it helps this show because without these results, we wouldn't be able to do this show as well as we do. So thanks Absolutely. to Freddie Akers there and another unsung hero and Tyler, um, both men doing uh, doing good work here. But back to the match, guys. Allie Rex comes out with the PPW Women's Championship, and Chris Bankos will hold the PPW Women's Championship over his head, and we're off to the races. Uh, Christina Marie and Allie Rex push Miranda to the outside. They have history here. Um, a handshake by both women, and they, they agree to go one-on-one. -on -one. Miranda's fine with the decision because she's just going to wait on outside and talk to Ryan, let these two uh, hit each other. But, Alex, before we go on, this feud between Allie and Christina is in high gear here. Um, yeah. We've seen the beginning of the video. Uh, it, there's a vignette that we did. Allie has beaten Christina twice here to defend the title, once by submission, another by pin. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about this chase that Christina Marie is on to, to get the best of Allie Rex and, and get that title. 
Yeah, I mean, since since Christina's debut, I mean, she was hot on the tail of uh, Ellie Rex for this title, and uh, she, uh, you know, they, they've they've had like this awesome feud, like you've said, and you know, every time you think Christina's about to get the win, she she just, you know, unfortunately didn't deliver. What what is interesting though is uh, I don't necessarily want to give a spoiler away, but how Christina finally got the title. This match is integral in that, I believe. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely is. Uh, we're planting seeds here, as they say. Uh, yeah, in business. they really but, are. Uh, but Allie Rex looking good here early in this match. Uh, she'll get to the second rope, attempt to move, and that's when Miranda gets back in the match by pulling her off the ropes and throwing her to the outside. Uh, she takes a big spill. Um, Allie, that is. Christina and Miranda will then go one-on-one -on -one for a while. Christina Marie staying in this match for the majority of it. Uh, towards the end of the match, though, Christina Marie almost pins Miranda Vionette in the middle of the ring with Allie Rex on the outside of it. What uh, that would have been. But, you know, he, it doesn't happen. So some fans think it's over, but we're still rolling. And Ryan Race during this would jump in the ring briefly, fearing Miranda had actually lost. It was that close. Uh, good heel work there by Ryan. The end of the match We'll see Allie Rex hit a nice-looking missile dropkick on both Miranda and Christina at the same time, which was great. Uh, this sends Ryan into the ring, and this is where I was foreshadowing earlier about Ryan Race getting close to another woman. Miranda <laughs> throws Allie into the ropes, and as Allie bounces back towards Miranda, she'll duck Miranda's clothesline and immediately spear Ryan Race, which pops the fans in Hazleton. And Freddie uh, on commentary will yell, there goes Humpty Dumpty, as all of this is going on, though. Yeah, I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> I know. Miranda hits Allie with her finisher and pins her as Miranda Vianette, guys, is crowned your second ever PPW Women's Champion. The crowd is stunned. Miranda rips the title away from Bankos and tells them to leave the match. Guys, your thoughts on both this match and Miranda Vionette becoming the second ever PPW Women's Champion. Yeah, I, like I said, I, this uh, match is integral in Christina Marie becoming uh, the, the uh, PPW Women's Champion. Miranda Vionette pulled out the win out of nowhere. We, you know, we're working up to what we believe is Christina Marie having this awesome feud with Allie Rex, and you wanted her to win that title from her, and it, it ended up being the next month Christina Marie would come and win the title from uh, Miranda, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was shortly after. I can't remember exactly when, but that would that would happen in short order. Uh, Paul, uh, your thoughts here on, on Miranda Vianna as a PPW women's title holder here? Well, I mean, just another step in the women's revolution of PPW and, and putting the women on the map. Uh, Miranda worked hard and, um, you know, a stepping stone for her. Good win for the undeniable stable. And, and I just, I mean, you know, it's a building block. It's a building block to solidify that women's division and, and get it to that next level where, you know, it's obviously at now at PPW, but you know, these were, you know, a lot of this was infancy stages of um, the women in PPW getting their shine, you know, but Miranda, great champion, you know, always would do the promo work and whatever you needed and, you know, hats off to her. Well, Paul, we're going to stay with you here because our next match, and it will be our main event of the evening, uh, Evander James, the champion, he comes in here because he just, as we went over earlier, took it from Sean Carr. He'll take on Bully Ray. And, Paul, before we even get into the into the building here, you get a call 
from Bully Ray. And, and what's that phone call like? Well, it was from a block number, so I'm thinking, who's calling me? And it was Bully, and uh, he called me, told me he was in the back of the building. He thought he was at the right building. So he wanted Tony and myself to come out um, yeah, to meet him out there. So we did. We met, met him in the car. And uh, his concern was he didn't want anybody to see him coming into the building. You know, um, he wanted to just meet the fans during the meet and greet, which is fine. It's totally understandable. So we got out of the car, and Tony and I are walking him down the street. And, and this is funny. In the meantime, mass has started over at the church across the street. So these people are all walking into church, all you know, and, and Bully thought the people were going into wrestling. So Bully's like, I don't want to go in where all the fans are going. I'm like, Bully, they're going to church. Like they don't know, <laughs> they don't know who you, know, who you are. <laughs> you know, they're going to church. Older people, you know, they're pushing the walkers and they're going. And there's Bully <laughs> Ray, you know, six foot some, three hundred pounds, a big bully walking down the thing, and, and they probably, you know, <laughs> they had no idea who he was. But um, so so we get to the building, and I assured him, you know, nobody's going to be there. And soon as we get to the door. One of our workers pops open the door and yells, there's Bubba Ray, and as loud as he can. And Bully, you could just see his face uh. drop, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, just he didn't want to draw attention to himself. He just wanted to get into the building, get in the back, and get ready for the event. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> it was funny. And then, you know, <laughs> um, we got him in the back, and, you know, we had a nice, uh, we had a nice conversation with him, and um, – you know, I mean, he was easy to deal with. I mean, this was this booking was spanned over like, you know, Scott, you and I were talking about this last night. Um, he was originally booked for the first Aftershock show, but then we yep. had some trouble of getting him on the show with, you know, some conflicting dates. And then I talked to his agent that was representing at the time, Brian Wittenstein, um, who we booked, you know, a few individuals through over the years. And we got Bully... Um, the, the email I actually had that I was showing you last from last night, Scott, was from 2017, so a full year until we booked them. Um, but everything was smooth, and, uh, you know, Bully was, you know, he's very professional, very cordial, but very down to the point. Like, he, you know, he wants stuff certain ways, and I, I applaud him for that. I mean, he he wants to give you the – and he said, when the show was over, are you guys happy What what I did? Tell me now to my face. I don't want to read about it online or I want to hear it about it on, on, on the internet. If you're not, you know, tell me. And tremendous performance. It was great. Yeah. No, you know, no gripes, um, no groans. And he even hung out a little bit after the show till everybody left. And we, uh, you know, kind of picked his brain a little bit and talked to him. Um, you know, and I don't want to burst your bubble, Scott, about the end of the match, you know, reviewing it. But um, it was a good experience. Really, really, uh, really smooth. Uh, now, I, we can we can cut this if you don't want to talk about it, but did we not have an issue with WWE using a certain image for the poster? Yeah, we did. Um, I think that was from Brian messaging me. We had to take that picture off because it was the Bubba Ray image we had. Yeah. And we had to mm. change it to Bully Ray. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, you can leave that in. That's all right. That, that's all yeah. That just shows like the little things that a lot of fans uh, don't know. Yeah. And, and well, we had that, that with AJ Styles too when we booked AJ. We had that with him too because his agent was uh, Bill Barons, and we had to change the picture because Bill AJ wasn't signed with WWE at the time, but it was a New Japan picture we were using, and I think they put the belt on AJ, but their tapings were like a month behind. Oh. So the picture you can see a little bit at the bottom. The belt was on him, the NJP belt. 
So the IGWP or whatever it was felt. Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't use that picture until a certain date. We were able to use it, but after a certain date till they released it because it wasn't even released yet. But no, you're Alex, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, that happens once in a while. Yeah, you know. it's interesting. Well, yeah. guys, another name we're going to work with here is Mikey Whipwreck. And Mikey Whipwreck, Mikey Whipwreck is going to come out to start this thing. And he's going to be like Jerry Lynn, very random to me, but he's going to be the referee here. And Alex, what can you tell me about Mikey Whipwreck and just his involvement in PPW um, and, and how closely he works with us? Sure. Um, well, uh, before this event, uh, not too long before, I believe, uh, Mikey had started working with the underdogs. Well, he, he started underdogs with, uh, with, uh, Anthony McKeegan or TJ masters, uh, the underdogs PPW uh, wrestling Academy. Uh, so we're working pretty closely with Mikey Whipwreck and a lot of the guys I think are very happy to train with somebody like Mikey who has such a storied career and a, a great knowledge, not only great knowledge, but a great sense of humor about everything in the business. Um, and he's one of those old school guys. Um, we have Tommy Swade, who also trains the guys. He's kind of like your more your new school wrestler. Uh, so you know, and then you have your old school trainer and your old school style, which is Mikey Whipwreck. So then, uh, yeah, I think getting to work with him was great. I, I believe I also was uh, played a hand in booking Mikey Whipwreck for this uh, for this event. This is actually uh, the. Front Row Material podcast. It's uh, Mikey Whipwreck and... Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's uh, Mikey Whipwreck and Jerry Lynn, along with Mike Freeland, who kind of plays the Scott Finout role of the uh, of the <laughs> podcast. Um, so right after this event, they, they filmed an episode, which I believe was only their third episode. And uh, this is what they had to say, uh, referring to the Bully Ray and Evander James match, uh, in terms of a teachable moment. I saw about at another show up for PPW in Pennsylvania, and he worked with this uh, this guy. That was his name, Ethan, maybe Ethan Page. No, that was his name, Evander James, I think it was. And you know, Evander was very excited to get to wrestle Bubba at the main event. Well, Bubba is very businesslike, and when he works with younger guys, he treats these younger guys the way we were treated by the older guys when we broke in. You know. Very serious, very, you know, very factual, very, you know, by the book, you know, with, with a, a very calm demeanor, you know, and Evander was very excited and things like that. And Bubba kind of told him, you know, just relax, you know, we're, we're going to be good, you know, and he forgot a couple of things in the match and we came to the back and Bubba says, do you think you took full advantage of the opportunity you had tonight? And he's like, yeah, I did. He goes, no, you didn't. He goes, you got nervous. He goes, you got starstruck and you kind of let it get to you. Because you can't do that. Because when you have an opportunity like this, you need to step up and do it. You know, and I can see some of the guys thinking that Bubba's being a dick. You know what I mean? But I'm looking at it from Bubba's teaching this kid. You know, when you have an opportunity, you need to kind of put your game face on, go into business mode, and work your match. You know, because when you're out there working with somebody, you're on the you're on the same playing field. You know, yeah, you may be a superstar, you may be a Hall of Famer, but you're still in the same match. You still need to work together. You know, after the match is over. And you're in the locker room if you want to mark out and be like, oh, my God, it's Russell Bubba. It was the greatest thing in the world. Absolutely. But when you're out in the ring there, you kind of got to you gotta subdue those feelings a little bit and go to work. I don't think a lot of guys know that, though. That's no. where I, you know, because that's where I think where the, the veteran has to kind of put them at ease beforehand and let them know, hey, know what I mean? Yep. 
So, yeah, like Jerry Lynn was just saying there, um, I think that's kind of the solution to these starstruck uh, moments um, is if, if you're a younger guy and you haven't worked big-name talents like this before, I, I say get them in the room with the guy like a little bit. Let them work, work out their mats. Let them kind of have a little introduction and, and get comfortable with, with, with the bigger name. Um, I, I don't believe – at this time, Evander James has worked many, many of those uh, names that you had looked up to when you were a kid, you know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a worker, so I don't know how to how to put into mind frame that, but I know that I've seen a lot of workers before hype themselves up, and Evander James is amazing. Honestly, he's my favorite wrestler in PPW, if we're, if we're really cutting the oh, shit here. That's but a statement. <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, um, he's human and everyone's human when they do this. And yeah. honestly, I was a little in- intimidated to even talk to bully Ray that night, let yeah, alone putting him in some wrestling moves because the guy, I am not going to say anything about his character because I've not really talked to him all that much, but it didn't look too friendly. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that was by design, but he's a little intimidating of a guy. So the yeah. music of PPW's heavyweight champion, Evander James starts playing over the PA and not for nothing, guys, my personal favorite music in PPW for sure. Um, anyways, guys, James will walk out to a ton of booze. Everyone remembers just about an hour prior that he stole the title from Sean Carr after using his briefcase. And guys, as a rule, the champion always comes out second, as we know. Bully comes out here first. And was this like a management move or in the back? Or was this Bully refusing to come out second because he was a bigger star? I don't know this. Do, do you guys, why the switch up here and who comes out first and second? Um, Sometimes we'll do for the main events, the star will come out second to name just for a bigger crowd pop maybe. Yeah. Um, it kind of altered. No, I, there wasn't anything with who wanted to go out first. It was just Evander was coming out first to get the booze, and then Bully was coming out um, second. That's the way it was kind of always set up. Um, no rhyme or reason because we were doing introductions in the ring anyway, so it really didn't matter. Um, but I know what you're saying, Scott. Um, but um, Bully Ray threw – he grabbed EJ, threw EJ out of his seat, and he grabbed EJ's chair. You know how? Oh, oh, oh we'll, 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 no, no, we'll get to that, okay? Because it wasn't EJ that went for the spill, okay? But Bully yeah. comes out and he gets a huge pop. He grabs the camera from our cameraman John Hayden, um, and on high voltage we go into the Bully cam, which basically is a shot, but just with a filter over it, something different, and a great thing for Bully to do on his way to the ring. Bully comes over to the commentary table. And Paul Bo sort of remembers this. He throws a steel chair into the ring. I think, cool. That's Paul Bo's anyway. I don't care. Then he grabs my captain's chair, which, guys, it's a nice swivel. It's a cushion, two armrests. It rocks even in the back, brother. I'm enjoying this chair that EJ tries to claim every single time. I finally got it. Bully comes over and throws me out of the chair. Oh, Seeds to heave my chair 10 feet into the air, missing the ring entirely. And then the chair shatters on the outside of the ring. He throws another chair in there. And the look on your face here, Paul, is get me the hell out of here. Bully's going insane here, isn't he? Oh, it was raining th- like it was raining like three pointers. He was throwing <laughs> chairs from every run region. I just wanted to make sure I didn't get hit. 
you know, but he, uh, the best was when the chair exploded. EJ's pride and joy, that chair, oh, and yes. that thing exploded. I didn't know he threw you out of the chair. I thought he threw oh, EJ yeah. out of the chair. No, no, it's right there. Uh, that well, chair has some good memories, though, like when, <laughs> when, uh, when, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, when Blue Pants gave you a lap dance there. Yeah, yeah that. Yeah, that chair's got its own podcast episode sooner in the future um, than, than most shows. But uh, Bully gets in the ring. He almost ends his pop early, guys. He nearly trips over the bottom rope. And by now, Paul has to go and sit down in the corner in one of these chairs that Whipwreck is situated in each of the corners. Bully's throwing that many chairs into the ring that you one can fit in each corner, and some are laying on the mat. A huge ECW chant happens here with Whipwreck and Bully in the ring together, as you can imagine. And before the match... Bully grabs the microphone and he tells Evander he's got good news and he's got some bad news. The good news, of course, is congratulations on becoming the PPW heavyweight champion here tonight. The bad news is that he has to defend it against me. And Bully goes on to talk about his experience in the area with ECW and Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And, and then he knows what the fans want to see here, guys. He turns to the fans and, and as you guys don't want to see another normal wrestling match, do you? In which the fans cloud clearly and loudly say no. Bully then makes it a no disqualification, falls count anywhere, tables match. And from there, Bully Ray kicks Evander James out of nowhere, and the match begins out of nowhere. Bully immediately gets a loud slap across James' chest that you can hear echo across the Holy Family gym. Um, and we're off to a fast start, guys. The, the bell rings, and we're on like Donkey Kong, as Paul Bo tells us into the microphone. The match easily is heavily in Bully's favor, as I point out the obvious here, which is that nowhere close to James, uh, as Mikey Whipwreck is actively cheering on Bully. Like, it's nowhere even fair at all to James. I mean, you got Mikey Whipwreck as the referee. You got Bully Ray coming into this. It's his type of match. The referee is his friend. This is not fair. I point this out. And Alex, this match was one that I liked a lot. I noted on commentary that Evander was excited and nervous. We went over the clip. That's not kayfabe. That's yeah. me telling the truth on commentary here. Talk a little bit about James's demeanor, or you know, hell, for most workers' demeanors, heading into a huge match like this. Uh, I think focus is the key. I actually was backstage with Evander before he walked through the curtain, and um, he was just intently focused. Like you couldn't speak to him. Uh, he 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 had his uh, you know the belt in tow. He was looking like dead at the center of the curtain, and he kind of had like a little bounce to him. Uh, you know, he was, he was psyching himself up, incredibly focused. He, 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 he was getting himself ready. And I, I don't know if you can truly mentally get yourself completely prepared to face somebody like Bully Ray. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, and, and to, to that Bully Ray is a much larger man than you notice him to be on TV. Oh, yeah. Um, he is a tower. Like when, when he walked by me, I felt like when Brock Lesnar had walked by me. I mean, this is just a yeah. beast of a man. And I'm like, wow, why didn't he have a bigger like uh, singles run in WWE? Because the, the dude's a monster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and yeah, and when he walks by, you know that somebody's in the room that's different than everybody else. That's for, oh, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Evander James mounts a comeback. 
Hitting Bully with a chair, he will then start choking Bully Ray, and Evander is looking good in the middle of this match, guys. Uh, he will low-blow low Bully towards the end of this one, and that obviously sends Bully to the mat like most men would go. Mikey Whipwreck pushes Evander James and yells at him for the low-blow. What are you doing, man? As Mikey is bent down with his back to Evander uh, and checking on Bully, James come over and low-blows Mikey Whipwreck. Remember, this is no disqualification here, guys. So Whipwreck rolls to the outside, and James uh, and comes over to the commentary table, picks up his championship title, and the music of Mike Orlando comes out or comes over the PA. James tries to hit him with the title. Orlando ducks. Bully scoop slams him and tells Mike Orlando to jump up onto the second rope. Guys, remember, Orlando is not medically cleared here. He is a few months out of surgery as Paul Bo states on commentary. And this is, Alex, a pretty ballsy move here by Mike Orlando. It is. Uh, you know, what, what is – what is if, if you can kind of, like, touch on it a little bit, what, what is Orlando's motivation go, going into this? Like, what, what, is, what is his uh, deal with Evander? I don't, I don't think we've touched on that. His deal with Evander was that he was friends with Sean Carr, and Evander just took the title – Mm -hmm. out of Sean Carr's hands. Now, I didn't finish this. I'm, I apologize for that. Uh, Mike Orlando would go up to the second rope. He would hit the what's up on uh, on Evander James with Bully Ray's help, and the crowd is popping here, and that's when I wanted to say that's a pretty ballsy move. Right out of, <laughs> right out of surgery, jumping off that rope like that, that yeah. makes me cringe. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I, I it's very risky, uh, especially us all being well aware of his condition and Obviously, you know, he had a pretty decent limp. But, uh, hey, if you get the opportunity to do the what's up with Bully Ray. Yeah, you're going to do it, right? You're going to do it. <laughs> well, by now the fans are chanting for the tables, and EJ calls it one of the loudest pops he's heard in five years. It's hard to disagree with him here, as you hear on the video, as it is one of the loudest pops I've heard personally in my yes. three years here at this point. Um, the table comes into the ring. Bully Ray kicks uh, Evander James in the stomach, and James gets powerbombed through the table, and the crowd pops the roof off of the Holy Family Academy as Bully Ray is your new PPW heavyweight champion. Guys, your thoughts on this match and Bully Ray becoming your new PPW heavyweight champion here? Uh, yeah, for me, that was a complete and total shock. I, um, I, I didn't expect that to happen. I kind of, you know, as, as a as somebody kind of on the inside, but also a fan, like I, I expected some sort of a disqualification or an interference like you saw with Mike Orlando. I never expected Bully Ray to take the title. And um, yeah, what a cool experience that was. I actually had to step outside. I, I couldn't bask in that glory because my ears were ringing from the crowd. Well, yeah, I mean, Bully Ray got the crowd chanting PPW, PPW, and, and then for Mikey Whipwreck, he gets the crowd going, and, and Bully Ray pops the crowd again by offering, which I thought this was a really cool gesture. The table had broken into a couple pieces. He had said that he was going to give the table away. Uh, he signed it with Mikey Whipwreck, both signed it, and gave it away to a lucky fan, and guys... We are out the door here with PPW5, uh, the fifth anniversary show. Just your overall thoughts on this crazy uh, fifth anniversary show. Paul, we'll start with you. Uh, well, I mean, again, fabulous head to toe. Um, Bully Ray winning the title, you know, you know, un, unpressed, unheard of. People really weren't expecting it. 
Um, but the show on a whole was a huge success. I mean, one of the largest crowds we had at Holy Family in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, rightfully so. I mean, like I said, it was good matches top to bottom. And, it, you know, it, it, it got a lot of people like we, we talked about this last time. Our anniversary shows and our super shows are are kind of our WrestleManias, like, you know, feuds culminate and then they start and then they culminate and then they start it's storytelling that's how it happens um but the anniversary show um you know got us into the winter fall and winter season bully ray is a new champ and you know bully ray was scheduled to come back a couple times we had some stuff on the table with him um for you know it was going to be a, a tag team match with him and mike orlando against um sam adams and evander james that was his next return but again scheduling conflicts um, you know, prevented that as usually does a lot of times with, you know, the stars when you bring them in. Um, but it was good. I mean, like I said, I, I have no qualms. It was really an ex excellent, excellent um, show. Alex? Uh, yeah, this was, again, like Paul said, top to bottom. Uh, what a show. What a show. Uh, and, and we had uh, incredible guests. Uh, and, and just the matches were all top notch. Um, this is one of those, like I, I personally, I love the mat, the uh, show before this, um, Showtime, and then this is just a, yet another one that just. Yeah, I wonder why, Alex. Uh, we'll get <laughs> we'll get to that in a future episode. Uh, let's just say I may or may not have gotten a kiss from a, a lucky former <laughs> diva, uh, <laughs> but yeah, this this is just the exemplification of PPW being a breeding ground for. The, the stars of tomorrow. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I also uh, think, and I will say that some shows we didn't uh, hit home runs on, but this one I think we did. Uh, mm -hmm. The second one in a row that I think we did, uh, as far as uh, the podcast show in order, uh, I thought last episode uh, we were talking about a pretty home run show. This one was a home run show as well. I liked how many times the title changed. And I don't usually like – I'm a fan of keeping the title on somebody for a long time uh, yes. and then watching it pop uh, when, when it you know surprisingly happens. But you had John West. You had uh, Miranda. You had Sean Carr win it only for Evander James to win it only for Bully Ray to win it. That was a whirlwind of a shot. And I remember uh, we all, you know – come from different spots and, and I come, you know, a couple hours uh, north uh, from Binghamton and, and I travel with Jim Holbert and I travel with uh, Tyler, our cameraman. And we all had that same feeling of, wow, what a whirlwind show that was. I mean, you know, at one time we thought we were invested in Sean Carr. It's going to be amazing. couple months. Oh, wait, now Evander just took it, man, that sucks. And then I don't have to live with that too long because Bully Ray is the champion. I mean, it's uh, from a storytelling standpoint, from a booking standpoint and that, credit i think goes a lot to to tony mckeegan um man oh man was this a good story uh man oh man was this a good night and this was one of my favorite nights in ppw so yeah a lot of big moves i mean yeah. you know big time show you know big time moves ppw is one of those companies where like you've pretty much had a champion every time you had a champion they've had a decent run so when you have an unexpected night like this where it changes hands from literally vacancy to Sean Carr, to Evander James, to Bully Ray. Holy hell. What what a night. Like, if, if that wasn't enough to sell you, this entire card is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got two minutes here before we're out the door. We try to keep it under two. Uh, quick plugs for you uh, first, Alex. 
Uh, yeah, check check me out at Real Kilowatt on all social media. Um, the March twentieth, uh, we've got Camp Leapfrog. Uh, Camper's Choice, which is like your Cyber Sunday type of show, or on Twitter, you're going to get to pick who's in the matches and what the stipulations are. Um, then I'm also on the IWEP network, the Wicked Turtle network, and through this, I'm on the PA Pile Driver network. Uh, so yeah, I'm just doing a lot of things and excited about it, and you know, waiting for the days where we can all team up on some cool commentary uh, together once again. Well, Alex is the intercontinental champion of podcasts. He has spanned the <laughs> PA pile driver, his own network, IWEP. I mean, here, I mean, wow. Uh, Paul, you're on a lot of things too, uh, mostly sports related. Uh, run us through that schedule. Where, where can we check your workout? Well, you can check me out on Instagram. I had to look up my Instagram handle. Right now. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. It's PPW Paul Bo. Same thing on Twitter. It's at Bo underscore PPW. But it still says PPW Paul Bow. On Facebook, I am Paul Bow. You can check me out, but you can see me um, during the week, usually a couple times on webweeklylive.com, Hoopers Only TV. Um, we do basketball games, we do football games. We, you know, might venture into the baseball market this year. But having a great time um, broadcasting with my partner, Jim Webb and Rich Salonis. Um, like I said, we just did a game last night and. Uh, Things are good. You know, it keeps me busy during the times where there's no wrestling. And uh, I might have a wrestling show coming up that I might be announcing in the next uh, probably about a month or so down um, in our area, down at PCWA. Greg asked me to announce that show in April. Um, just ring announcing, no commentary. But uh, I'll probably do it as long as I have nothing on the schedule. And just to get back in the ring and, you know, see some people and uh, have a good time, you know. Um, COVID sucks and the restrictions suck. And, you know, it's um, like just a quick segue, um, be parting shot before we go. Did a basketball game last night. Same two teams played last year at 1,000 people. Um, wow. This year they had a restriction, only limited fans. There was probably 100. You know wow. what I mean? So it, it wow. would have been it would have been huge. But um, that's it for me. And you know what I mean? Don't forget, check out PPW's website, ppwrestling.com. Um, we don't have any new stories. Mitch. Tom Mitchell's going to be working on something he said very soon. Get that updated and going. Um, or, uh, what are you laughing at, Alex? It's just uh, your, your comment on Instagram. Oh, uh, and my comment is always the same. When you're thick, you're <laughs> thick, buddy. you gotta just, you got to just live with it. Oh, well, I love you, man. You're well, you guys, are, you guys are talking on microphones everywhere. I'm talking to my chicken still. Uh, the right, final family listen. farm is still hitting up, guys. You know, let I gotta me, go. you I let gotta me go. get my marketing out. You let me get my marketing out. You <laughs> I got to go. Cows and chickens, you get to me. Paul Bo has been working throughout this episode. Paul, seriously, thank you for uh, making the time here throughout uh, multiple phone calls. And Alex, thank you so much for putting all this together. Uh, I really appreciate everything. Um, this is another one in the books. And guys, one last serious thing, not about the final family farm, is that we will be uh, releasing the episode today um, from last week. And we will be also revealing today our three choices. Um, Paul's going to have one. I'm going to have one. Alex is going to have one of who we want or what show topic you guys can vote on. So yeah. that's a, that's a wrap, Alex. I think I'm, I've said enough for the day and, uh, and uh, next week, I don't even know what we're going to be doing because it's going to be a vote. It's going to be in the hands of the fans, my friend. All right. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, for listening to the second uh, episode of PPW Unplugged, going over the fifth anniversary show. Until next week, you tell us, and we'll talk about it.